Amen. Would you help me give the Lord praise this morning? Come on, give Him praise and glory and honor. Truly, His presence is in this place. Melissa, would you come and uh, I, I will escort you here. Give you this microphone and our ears are attentive to what the Lord has spoken to you. Help me appreciate my lady, the First Lady of Oak Grove. do something funny to start. I'm going to move this over here. And, and that's an inside joke. And some of you will get that. Isn't that funny? Some of you get it. Some of you don't have a clue what I just did. <laughs> Good morning. First, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms, the grandmothers, the great-grandmothers. How many greats do we have? Raise your hand if you're a great. You are great and great and great and great. Give them a big hand. Wow, we had about 10 of them. 10 great-grandmothers. You are the best. Mothers are the best. And, and moms and, and nanas and grandmothers. and You're just the best. And the most important thing you can do as a mother is instill the word of God in the children and the youth. Amen? Proverbs 3. I read it every time. I probably will until I die. Proverbs 3 says, Bind it around their necks every day. Write them on the tablet of their hearts every day so they will have favor and success in the sight of God. Amen? Put the word in them. If you don't put the word in them, when they're gone and they're away from you, they're going to make decisions based on something. Let it be that their decisions they make for their life are based on the word of God and prayer. Amen? Amen. Don't just give your kids stuff because stuff won't help them make those good decisions. And when they get in the trenches of life and the trials, the stuff won't help them through it. Amen? But the prayer... Knowing how to pray and knowing the word of God will get them through. Amen. That was just extra. Happy Mother's Day. Like Chrissy said, plant seed in everyone. Plant it in the children. Plant it in the youth. Plant the seed. Amen. We gave you that today for fun, but for you to realize how important it is. Because when you plant, you can watch it grow. And I love it. I love seeing all the young people grow into women and men of God. Don't you? That is real growth, just like when you plant seeds and you see something grow. The second thing I wanted to say before I really even start is thank you. Thank you for last Sunday for the 21-year anniversary for all of the cards and the greetings and the, the kind words and all of the love that you showed Pastor I wasn't able to be here because I was being a good Nana. I was helping with my Ellie, and I just had a little, little, little tummy ache, like she would say, like her. I got, I got it from her, but I really hated to miss. I was sad, but it's okay because I was doing the right thing. Amen. Putting the children first is so important. Well, we've decided. Next week, we're going to take a few days off by ourselves and get away and just rest. And I thank you for that. Thank you for blessing us. And we're going to get away. 
We love each one of you dearly, and we want to help carry your burdens. Everybody in this church has burdens, and we pray for you regularly, and we want to help you carry those burdens. Amen? Okay, done with that. Now I want to say this. The spirit of the living God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news and proclaim freedom to the lost. That's what each of us know, that we're, we have a job to do. We have things to do. So I want to start by saying, Pastor and I have this little thing. This is kind of the basis of where I get this title, with me or without me. But we have this little thing that we do. We've been doing this for years and years, but we say to each other from time to time, are you with me or are you with me? And we say that to each other, and we know what that means. It means we're trying to see if we're all on board. Like, are you with me on this or are you really with me? Are you on board? Like, you're all in. Amen? And so we do that from time to time. So I want to show you a quick video clip. I want you to watch this. It's kind of fun. Let's have a little fun, Bear. Your life expectancy is like here. With me, it's here. Without me, here. With me, without me. With me, without me. Amen. Amen. Okay, and that's where we got it from. Okay? We got it from there. And so years and years ago, we started that. And we're like, you're with me? or without me? What are you? Are you really with me? So I just say to you today, I'm about to speak. Are you with me? Are you really with me? You're going to listen and you're going to get this, okay? So Dr. Jim Rayley, he spoke here on Palm Sunday, remember? He was the seminary um, professor. He said something about the, the triumphal entry of Christ that grabbed me. He said, And it got deep in my spirit. He said there were three different crowds of people watching Jesus as he made that triumphal entry. And I thought, it made me think. It made me think, you know, some people were with Jesus that day. And some people were really with them. Amen? There were crowds of people and they were were really with them. But it's sad because some people thought they were with Jesus but they really, really weren't. Not really. You know, there's people that think they are and they're not. So since then, I've kind of been studying on that. That really just grabbed me. And so I've studied about the different origins of the different crowds. And I mean, if you look in the Bible, there were crowds on the journey from Galilee to Jericho, from Jericho to Jerusalem were different crowds. There were crowds in Jerusalem, There were crowds on Palm Sunday on that triumphal entry. There was the political crowd at Pilate's place. And there were mixed crowds at the cross when Christ was crucified. So there's always different types of people in different crowds. And thank you because we were blessed to go to get Galilee. We stood there in Galilee and Jericho and Jerusalem and Bethlehem and, and you know, People followed him all around the land for different reasons. Although they were collective crowds, you know, a crowd is a collective group, you know, of different types of people in the crowd. They were all filled like this. Let me give you some examples. There was the skeptical crowd. 
These were people who followed, but they were skeptical about Jesus. And they mentally tried to figure it out. Mentally, they tried to come to Christ. They figured it all out in their mind. And if it worked, then it would be one thing. And if it didn't, they would not accept Christ. Then there was the curious crowd. I call them the nosy people. There's always nosy people, right? And they didn't have any social media back then or newspaper. So they had to go and find out and follow. They were in the crowd just wanting to know what's going on, right? Then there was an excited crowd. Those were people that just went anywhere. There was a party. Anywhere there was a crowd, excitement, they were there. You know people like that? They just show up. If there's a fire or someone had a car accident, they're just standing around watching the whole thing. They're just people like that. Then there was the temporal crowd. This was the crowd of people that was in it to see what they could get out of it. Can I get some free Convoy of Hope groceries today? Can I get some fishes and loaves, right? Right? Just for one day. What can this man do for me? Can he heal me? What can he do for me? What can I get out of it? That was the temporal crowd. Then there was the unaware crowd. They didn't have a clue. They were just following the crowd. They're followers. You ever met people like that? They don't have a clue. They're just there because everybody's there. Why are you here? I don't know. Everybody's here. I don't know. I'm just here. But then there was the genuine crowd. Now, the genuine crowd, I hope you would have been a part of that crowd and not the nosy crowd. But the genuine crowd had faith. Somehow they had faith in that man as he came down the triumphal entry. They thought something is different about that man. And by faith, I believe what he's saying. I believe what he's done. I believe his miracles. Those were the genuine people. And today we are them. We are all of those people that I just said. Because in moments of sincerity, we do our best to follow the Savior, but oftentimes we forget to look around us to see what is really happening. Judgment and selfishness and pride. We need to be more aware of all of this. We need to look at our surroundings. And we need to realize that our path is an individual journey. It's not a crowd. It's an individual journey. We each need to make our own choice and our own covenant with God, right? Look at your neighbor just real quick, and then look at me. Your neighbor can't get you there, even if it's your spouse, even if it's your mother. This is an individual journey. You make your own decision. You need to make your own choice to make that covenant with God and follow his eternal life. It's not about the culture or the crowd or the churches or what's happening in America. It's about your individual self. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So my first example I'm going to give you is Moses. And you know the story because you've been in church. You're in the crowd. Moses, one side of the people were right. And one side were wrong. And I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to summarize it. Exodus chapter 32. Aaron and the people made a golden calf. Moses approached the camp and saw the calf. And he saw the people dancing. And angry Moses threw down the tablets and smashed them. He burned the golden calf in the fire until it was powder. Gone. 
Moses saw that the people were out of control, and he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Remember, who's on the Lord's side? He divided the people, right? And today, I think if Moses were here, he'd probably say, are you with me? Or are you really with me? Right? Because all of those people that day were with Moses, right? But only half of them were really with them. Amen? All the Levites went with Moses that day. And he said to the Levites, you have been set apart by the Lord today. And the Lord has restored and blessed you on this day. And the rest of the people died that day. And I won't go into all the details, but about 3,000 people died that day. Now, that's 3,000 people that were in the crowd that we thought were with him, right? But they weren't really with him, right? It's either God's way or your own way. And only you can decide which side you're on. Amen. Number two, I want to talk about Cain and Abel. You know the story of Cain and Abel. One did it the right way. One did it the wrong way. I'm going to summarize Genesis chapter four. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock. And the Lord had high respect and regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. And the Lord said to Cain, if you do what is acceptable and pleasing to me, you will also be accepted. Just like your brother. He he extended grace to him. He gave him a chance to fix the problem, which was a heart problem. And if you ignore my instruction then sin will be crouching at your door, the Bible says. Its desire is to overpower you, but you must master it. And Cain went and talked to Abel about this, and he said, Abel, God dealt with me, and he was telling him about it. And then they got into a fight, and then Cain killed Abel. So evidently, he didn't master it, right? He had a bad heart. And I just so happened to think that Cain probably took after his mother, Eve. Think about it. Think about it. She disobeyed God, didn't she? And her son followed in her footsteps and disobeyed God. Cain gave the least he could to God, and Abel gave the very best offering. Are you giving God your best or your least? Now, remember, I'm not talking to the crowd as a church right now. I'm talking to you individually, individually, husbands and wives separate right now. You're an individual, children, parents, you're all separate. Are you giving your God your best or your least? Or do you just throw $20 in the offering now and then instead of obeying God and paying tithes, which is the sacrifice that God requires, right? Brother Ron. Pastor Ron, he doesn't require it. God does. Amen? He's not going to come to you, but God will, because God is the one that requires it. Do you follow the Ten Commandments and go to church every Sunday, or do you just come when it's convenient for you, when you don't have any plans, when you don't have anything else to do? Or is it a priority? 
Do you sacrifice your own pleasures? Sure, I would like to go do something today. Wouldn't you? Sure, our flesh wants to go to do this or do that, or there's so many fun things to do that appease our flesh. Or shall we obey God? And shall we honor his house regularly like he requires? What are you teaching your kids who are watching you all the time, your kids and your grandkids? They are watching you just like Cain watched Eve, his mother. Amen? Tithing is an act of obedience. And let me set the record straight. I'm not preaching about money today. I'm preaching about obedience. Amen? It's an individual thing. You are accountable to pay tithes of your own income, not even necessarily your spouse or your children. Each person that works that has an income of any kind, they are accountable. It's all about your selfish heart. Some people have a selfish heart, and they don't obey God. And they think no one can see and that no one knows. But God knows. Pastor and I can usually see it. Not that we're looking, but I'm just saying it's very obvious. It's very much so. But you are accountable. There's this new thing. Pastor and I were talking about it this week. It's called will worship, right? And this will worship, God had a design for how he was to be worshiped. Did you know that? We didn't make a decision that we would go to church every Sunday on the Sabbath. We didn't make a decision that it would be 10% because we might have made it 30%. You know, God made that decision, 10%. And he said, honor me this way. Honor me with yourself. Give me yourself on the Sabbath. And that was God's design on how he wanted to be worshiped. But Abel followed that way. He followed God's command and way. But Cain did it his own way. He decided this is good enough to give God $10, $20. I'll give him what I can. I got to pay my rent. I've got to pay my utilities. Utilities are high. I'll use that for an excuse. I need new tires. God, forget about you. Tires are more important than you. I'm just getting down right where we live, okay? Okay, now listen. People today with this new will worship They're worshiping God the way they want to instead of God's way, doing what's right in their own sight and doing it their way. But God has a way that he commands throughout the Bible. And he's saying to you today, are you with me or are you really with me? Okay. Are you doing it my way? It's not about the money, but it's about the sacrifice. And the obedience. I have a good example for you. Pastor and I, when we were younger in our home church, it was an Assembly of God church, we were good friends with Cindy and Joe, these friends of ours. She was always praying to win her husband to the Lord. He was not in Christ, but she was. And she was so in Christ and praying that God would save her husband. And we prayed many times with her. And so She went to our senior pastor and said, how can I pay tithes when my husband won't? He's not a Christian. He just won't pay tithes. Okay, he doesn't get it. But she said, I want to be obedient to God. She wanted to be an Abel, not a Cain. She wanted to give her best to God. 
whatever that was. And so what did she do? She worked part-time and she paid tithes on her income. And wasn't that correct? Yes, she did the right thing. She left him out of it and she honored God with her tithes. And there came a time they had a second child and she couldn't work anymore. So she was a stay-at-home mom. He had a really good job and made a lot of money. And he gave her so much a month to run the household and groceries and budget and everything. And guess what she did? With that amount that she took in every month, she paid tithes on that. It might have been $10. We don't know. But it doesn't matter because she honored God and obeyed him. It's not about the money. It's about the obedience. She obeyed God, and guess what? She had favor on her life, and God brought her husband into the kingdom of God, and we saw it. And I believe it was because she was all in with God. She was really with him. And even with her little bit, she gave it and sacrificed. And you know what? To this day, I'm still friends with Cindy. She is a realtor. Her kids have all grown up, and she's a realtor now. She's the top-producing realtor in her state. That's a big deal. She's a very wealthy woman. But guess what? I know she honored God all the way through, and God overblessed her. She never chinched God. She never did what Cain did and brought something substandard. You don't come before the king of God and give him a little something. You don't give him half of your life. You give him your whole life. Amen? You give him the best gift you have. Right? Right? I'll never forget the last church we were in. We pastored seven years. We had one of our deacon's wives. She could see that pastor and I were the same age as her daughter and we both had kids we had two children she had two children and she bought her daughter a video camera for christmas one of those remember those came out we thought we were something the little ones you know see the picture on it and video your kids and she she had this idea i'm gonna buy one for myself they were like a thousand dollars and then she bought one for her daughter and then she decided she would give me her old one So she came to me, and she gave me the old one. I was tickled, you know, because I didn't have one, and I certainly couldn't afford one. And so she gave it to me, and I was just tickled that I would get some footage of my kids, okay? And so she came back to me three days later and just cried. This You had to know her. She was a very, very intelligent, proud woman. And she cried, and I was like, what is wrong? And she said, the Lord convicted me. She said, I gave you my least instead of giving you my best. She said, who am I to give that to you? And so she went and bought me everything that she bought her daughter. The tripod, the extra battery, the extra tapes, the case. She gave it to me along with the receipt. It was like $1,400. And she said, I'm going to give my best. Amen? That's the kind of spirit we need. We need to be people that don't give our least. I can tell you that if everyone in this church would be obeying God in obedience and sacrificial and they would pay their tithe, we would have the funds we need to build that student center. We would have the funds we need to do anything in this church if every person would be obedient. 
if every person would do that. I'm just saying, and I better move on. I better stop right there. (laughs) The next person I want to talk about is Judas, okay? Judas in Matthew 26. One of the 12 disciples named Judas went to the high priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I hand Jesus over to you? And they weighed 30 pieces of silver out. And from that moment, Jesus, Judas was looking for the opportune time to betray Jesus. Judas, you had him and you let him go. It makes my heart so sad. He was in the crowd of the disciples. He was with Jesus, but he wasn't with him. Amen. There are people like that. And it just breaks your heart. It's so sad that he betrayed him. And and yes, there were consequences for him leaving Jesus. Judas was with Jesus the entire time, but he wasn't really with him. And I want you to get that today. God knows the inside of our hearts. He knows our motives. He can see them. In the crowd, nobody could see yet what Judas was all about, right? Nobody but God and and Jesus too. He knew. He even said it, right? It's going to happen because God knows the motive of our heart. It doesn't matter if you're in that crowd I talked about. That's the believer. God knows if you're really the nosy crowd. He really does know if you're the mental crowd that's trying to figure it all out with your mind instead of your heart. He knows that. The disciples, they went on, right? And they followed Jesus. They went forward and they were focused and they were really with him. They were really with Jesus. Are you a loyal person? Are you loyal to your family? Are you loyal to your friends? Are you loyal to your church? And most of all, are you loyal to your God? Are you with him? Or are you really with him? Right? Because there is a difference. There is a difference. You see, most of the so-called Christians in our culture today, they think they're okay. They're in the Jesus crowd. They're in churches right now all across the country. And they think everything is okay because they're in the crowd. They think all is well. They're with him, but they might not really be with him. Obeying him and sacrificing, they think all is well. But there's a false peace that has invaded the church in this generation, leaving many people blind to the days that we live in right now. If you have spiritual eyes, you see what's happening, right? You see. But there are a multitude of signs and things in our country right now that show us that the wrath of the Lord is closer than it's ever been, and the Lord's coming back, and the majority of Christians are unaware that they're living in the last days because they're just in the crowd. Yes, they're in the Jesus crowd, but they're not really with him. Because if they were really in there with him, they would see and know. I'm going to ask Christy to come up, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Did you know that your life expectancy is low? It's, it's here if you're without him. 
But if you're with him, your eternal life's way up here. So are you with him or are you really with him? Amen. The purpose of the gospel is twofold. That we can live again because of Christ's resurrection. And second, that we can be made clean and perfect because of his sacrifice on the cross. You know, as I've been studying these crowds of people at different times, I've noticed we only have two crowds left. There's only two today. And the crowds are the, these two. The crowd that recognizes and accepts that Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior. And then there's another crowd that rejects him, either conscience, by conscience or by neglect. Which crowd are you in? Which crowd? Do you accept him as Jesus, your Lord? But I'll take it a little further. Do you accept him and obey him? Do you worship God your way, the will way? Or do you worship God's way, the way he set in order and said, do this, this, and this, and I will accept you like I did Abel? Or are you worshiping God your own way? Go to church when you want, give what you want, say what you want, do what you want, right? I worship God my own way. And that's our culture today, right? They do what they want. They're selfish. But that way doesn't line up with the word of God and the scripture. It does not follow God's request. And if you're going to please God like Abel, you're going to have to do it his way. So go ahead and just give in. Teach your kids to do it that way. Stay biblical. Don't get off the wrong path. Your kids will then, you'll be in church one day when you're old and your kids won't be. Right? And you'll wonder why. But you have taught them, go do this, go do that. Do what you want and then go to church if you don't have nothing else to do. Right? Don't be those people. The answer to this, I asked you in which crowd you are. That answer is not a crowd question. I'm not asking that question so that I can get a crowd response. It's an individual thing. It's a personal relationship with God. All of this obedience, it's personal. It's possible for you to be that consecrated and not your spouse or not your sister or not your brother or not your mother. It's a personal thing. If you hear God's voice today, listen. Don't let your heart be hard. If I said something today that touched you, that you need to get right with God, don't be hard in, in your heart. Soften your heart and let God work on you. Okay? Don't be Cain. Be able. Living in a personal relationship with Jesus is the only thing worth living. I want to ask everybody to please stand. I know this is not a long message today, but it's what God told me to say, and I'm obedient. It's what God told me to say. He didn't tell me to preach this to the Baptist church across the street. He told me to preach it to you. So you evidently need to hear it. This message is for you today. It's not for your neighbor. Like pastor says, don't shovel it over to your neighbor. This is individual. This is what God is speaking to you individually to get these things right. 
so he can be pleased with your life and he can bless your life. Today, I'm asking you to go past the crowd and seek him personally. Zacchaeus, he went past the crowd. Nicodemus, he had to go past the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood that was healed, she had to go past the crowd. They had to make this an individual thing. Amen? I want you to come today if you need prayer. If anything I said tugged on your heart, just come. Or if you just want to pray, and we are going to pray for you that God would help you to not just be with him, but to really be with him. Amen? Amen.